Welcome to Gaia's Consciousness Podcast, expanding your mind and spirit. Learn even more at Gaia.com. Watch interviews, movies, and original series created to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Your journey begins here. Well, welcome to Beyond Belief. I'm George Norrie. Paul O'Brien's with us, a visionary entrepreneur who invented a new category of software back in 1989 that evolved to become the world's largest online astrology and divination business. That's fascinating. How did you do this? Pure luck. You think so? Well, basically... The stars were with you. (laughs) The stars were with me. Uh, It was intuition. You know, I was fascinated by two things in my youth. Uh, The I Ching, which is the ancient Taoist book of changes, and software. And I became fascinated with software in the 1970s before Apple Computer even existed, and then became the executive of a software company by the time I was uh, in my late 30s. And I found myself using the I Ching more often than usual. Uh And so these two things that fascinated me, one day a light bulb went off and I thought, geez, I wish I could do this on my computer. And we were a Macintosh shop. Sure. And so that's kind of like the precursor of multimedia computers. And so I hired a programmer and an artist and I did it out of my pocket out of sheer fascination. So I was the most accidental entrepreneur ever. I just did it out of love. So did you dabble with astrology yourself, Paul? Oh, I was into astrology since the 60s, but not in any serious way. You wouldn't call yourself an astrologer. Oh, no, I'm not an astrologer okay. at all. It was the I Ching that, that guided me. It was the I Ching that caused me to become uh, an entrepreneur. And then I added tarot cards to that, which is another form of divination system. And then I added astrology on top of that just because it was more popular and AOL wanted it. Sure. And then we became the exclusive provider of all these kinds of things, including horoscopes and astrology for AOL and Yahoo and Google in the early days when they had a gadget. Uh, So that's what basically drove everything. It was quite, um, I wouldn't say accidental, but kind of a destiny thing. So, well, you know, I have astrologers on my radio show, Coast to Coast AM, quite right, often. Right, right. And I've always wondered, how did they so quickly get this information about a caller who calls in and says, you know, I was born da-da-da-da-da, and all of a sudden they've got it. It's your software they're <laughs> it's, using, it's right? It's somebody's software for sure. What did they do? You just plug in the birth date and that's oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great business because you get somebody's birth data, which is their time and date of birth and their place of birth, and that gives you a snapshot of the sky from the point of view of where they were born at the moment they were born, which is considered to be a seminal, important moment, the moment of your first breath. And so then you read the sky and you read the energy of the moment. So that's basically what astrology does. It's actually astronomy. It's actually a map of the sky at that moment in time. And then the astrology is the way you interpret the angles between the planets, etc. And you also wrote a book called Intuitive Intelligence. Right. Tell me about this. Intuitive Intelligence is a book that I was asked to write to describe how I did what I did in terms of starting this business uh, in my basement with no family money, no investors. Just you. Yeah, just me and and a few other people that I hired. And then it grew to become the largest astrology business in the world. But it took 13 years. I basically starved for 13 years. So basically, it was the uh, it's a book about how I made the decisions that allowed me 
to leave a high-paying executive position to pursue something that was meaningful for me. So it's kind of the story of a man who left money for meaning, and then the money came anyway. Right. So well, it's they, a good story. When you least expect it, right? Yeah. Oh, I was never money motivated. I left a very high-paying job to do this thing that I thought would be cool, something that I thought that I would get a lot of personal fulfillment out of. Did you have to leave it? Could you have done both? Well, I... In retrospect? I, no. You could no. I mean, okay. I had... I continued to do moonlighting for that company as an international marketing consultant in order to keep some cash flowing sure. until I got a product out. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hard to... But you were that cash poor in oh, those yeah. days. Totally. Jeez. Totally. I didn't have anything in my checking account for 13 years. But I managed to pay my people. Yeah. I managed to maintain my mortgage. Oh, unbelievable. You know, so many nightmares of going bankrupt. But I was driven. And I was driven by my heart. That's the, that's the moral of the story. Did you expect somebody to buy the software package from you as a company? No. I had no exit strategy. Never assumed it would be worth that much. You know, I Ching software. Who the hell knows what the I Ching is? And who would use it, right? <laughs> I mean, people in the West don't really know what it is. Tarot cards are 10 times more popular. Sure. And the astrology is 10 times more popular than that. And they're kind of all in the same category. I call it divination. And I now run the Divination Foundation to explain about this stuff. But yeah, no, no, I never expected it. Uh, my dream, George, I called it creative freedom. And what that meant to me was the ability to make a living doing something I cared about. Nothing more than that. Not paying off the mortgage. Never even dreamt about doing that. You know, I just wanted to make a living doing something I cared that you about. you liked and enjoyed. Yeah, exactly. And so I cast, I threw caution to the wind. My only safety net was the fact that I had 15 years experience in high tech and I could always felt like I could probably go back to that. Exactly. Well, intuition is a powerful tool. You obviously had it. Uh, in our Gaia program, Missing Links, Greg Braden talks about the power of intuition. Right. This whole idea of, of intuition uh, is a very powerful sense. It is a knowing, a direct knowing, our heart's knowing of when something is true for us and when it's not. And we have to be very, very clear about when we're actually hearing uh, information from our heart, or whether it, the information is coming from there or maybe it's coming from a subconscious or maybe it's coming from a fear. Or, it's just good to be very clear about where this information is coming from. People ask me all the time when I speak at live events, they ask me to make decisions for them and to interpret their experiences for them that I could never decide and I could never interpret because the experiences have happened to them. Let me just give you an example. It's very common for people to ask me, Greg, I had a dream last night. And in the dream, and, and they very detailed, I saw this, I saw that. Greg, what does this dream mean? And what I have to say to them, very honestly, uh, and very factually, is I couldn't begin to tell you what that dream means. I have no idea. I didn't have the dream. You had the dream. I'm saying this to you right now. If you are powerful enough to have the kinds of dreams that are so vivid and so lucid that you remember them even in your waking hours, then you are powerful enough to ask your own body, to ask your intuition, to ask your heart, what does this dream mean for me? What am I being shown in this dream? Why am I being shown what I'm showing? What does it mean in my life? Ask those kinds of questions. But when you ask them, 
if you will ask them from your heart rather than your brain. That's my buddy Greg Braden. He does a great job, doesn't he? His yeah. hair is almost as high as Giorgio Sukalos from <laughs> Ancient Aliens. But what do you think of what he said? I think it's uh, right on. You know, it's like the intuition is a higher form of intelligence that's coming from the heart. And he mentions the heart, and he right. also is talking about self-knowledge. These are things I talk about in my book. You know, there's all these forms of intelligence. You know, you have the intellectual intelligence, the IQ, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, erotic intelligence. Right. Uh, and in, intuitive intelligence is the intelligence of the heart. It's kind of like of a higher order, and it's dealing with a much bigger picture than the ego normally uh, is dealing with. And, and, and talk about dream interpretation. Yes, of course, you need intuition to figure out what a dream Absolutely. means for yourself. What is visionary decision making? Visionary decision making is a term that I came up with to, de to describe the method of decision making that I use with big decisions, including the one to become an entrepreneur. And it's basically driven by the heart. It's driven by intuitive intelligence. Gut instinct too? Yeah, well, gut instinct is how intuitive intelligence shows up. Okay. Generally shows up as a feeling. It could be a physical feeling. Uh, it could be a vision. It could be some people are auditory that way. But yeah, it's an instinct. It's like it was called the sixth sense for thousands of years. So you're like we have the five senses, like the five fingers of the hand, right. the visual, etc. Imagine you have a dinky little finger over here, a sixth one. That's the intuitive antenna. That's what I call it. And it's very delicate, and it's calibrated to a very fine signal. So you can't hear. It's like he said, you know, you've got to, you've got to be clear about where, where the information is coming from. Sure. Is it coming from fear? Is it coming from the senses? Or is it coming from your heart? And that's a very, uh, that takes a lot of sensitivity. You've got to quiet down. Does everybody have this ability, Paul, to tap into this visionary decision-making process? Well, visionary decision-making is a skill set that involves logic and it involves intuition. Some people are better than others. Oh, right? yeah. Some people are better than others, but everybody has the capacity. Everybody has the capacity to be intuitive, but not very many people ever access it to any great extent because we're so distracted all the time. We're so busy. Our minds right. are chattering away and we don't, have, we don't create the space to be receptive to such sensitive signals. Your work is tied into a lot of the work of Carl Jung, the psychologist. Tell me about that involvement. Well, he helped me understand and has helped so many people understand uh, the nature of the, of the mind mm -hmm. and the nature of the subconscious. He called it, uh, Freud thought of the unconscious as being this reservoir of all of these primitive drives and uh, animalistic instincts. And Jung said, wait a minute, there's a lot more to it than that. There's where, where does creativity come from? Where does intuition come from? Where, where do, where does these creative bigger picture things come from? Sure. And he called it the collective unconscious. And that was his definition of the unconscious, which was way beyond the personal unconscious that Freud was talking about, that we share across cultures through mythology and, and uh, symbology. Jung and Freud knew each other, and they were rivals, weren't they? Well, actually, Jung was kind of a protege of Freud's until they broke apart over Freud's uh, coming up with the death instinct to, to define why people are destructive or self-destructive. 
And Jung said he... He didn't agree with yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't agree with that. And so Freud sort of kicked him out of the... Yeah, they were at odds, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate because they were both geniuses. Yeah, yeah right, right. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the groundbreaking concept of synchronicity came from Jung too, didn't it? Yeah, he coined that term. And he specifically coined it to describe how the I Ching works, which he studied for like 30 years, and tarot cards too. What does I Ching mean? I Ching means Book of Changes. It's the oldest book in the world. It's an ancient Taoist text, but it's more than a book. It's a divination system. So people toss coins and get a pattern, and then they look up that uh, around a question that they're meditating on while they're tossing the coins, and then they look up that pattern in a book. And what synchronicity means is that there are no accidents, that this is a meaningful coincidence. The way that the coins land is related to everything else that's happening in that moment, mm -hmm. and it's interpreted by the book specifically in terms of what you're thinking about when you do it. Do we d determine how the coins land? Is yeah. it us that's doing it? Energetically, yes. That's why when I developed I Ching software, which is really what started me out as an entrepreneur, I made sure that there was a way to cast a hexagram that was energetically authentic. Because when you're casting, nobody can cast the coins for you. It's like Greg Braden said, other people can't necessarily interpret your dreams for you because they don't have the body of self-knowledge that you have about yourself. But so the energy, the way the coins land is related to your energy. You can't control it seems completely random, but it's much more connected to you than if you hit a button on a computer and have it spit out six lines. So you're actually generating those six lines through something you're doing is having an effect, is having an impact on that. So you're an agent of this meaningful coincidence that you're creating. Is I Ching Chinese? Oh yeah, it's a Taoist uh, classic. It's one of the five Taoist classics. It's about 3000 years old and it's from China. So you can think of it as kind of a Chinese form of tarot cards, except that it doesn't use cards. Right. Although I've created a card deck for it, uh, uh, it just recently, but it uses coins in a book, but it's the same idea. How does that work with the coins? Well, you cast the coins six times, and the way the coin, three coins land, there's four ways three coins can land. You get three heads, three tails, two heads and a tail, two tails. And a... So right. you mark down what kind of line you got, uh, if it's three of a kind, that's kind of a special thing that's called a changing line. So you mark down the pattern. You do that six times. It's a six-line pattern. You just toss them. Yeah, yeah. You just toss them. And you could use a cup and shake them in a cup. It doesn't matter as long as you're the one that's tossing them. Okay. And so then you look it up in the book. And if you have certain patterns, does it happen regularly? Uh, it can. You know, there's... The, a, but they, the, the patterns tell you what? Well... They're going to give you some insight and some advice relative to what you were meditating on just before you cast the coins. So you want to be you want to be one pointed. You want to be focused on whatever dilemma or decision or relationship you're wondering about. Are the coins telling you what to do, or are you doing it as an experiment to test yourself? I think of divination as a way to stimulate your intuition to think outside the box. Mm -hmm around problems that logic can't handle. So if logic can handle it, use logic. I'm all for logic. I have a whole chapter in my book, Intuitive Intelligence, on, a, on, on logic and a really easy way to use logic as part of the visionary decision-making process. But um, the kind of issues that you might want to use the I Ching for 
are relationship issues, negotiating, timing issues, office politics, all the kinds of things that logic really can't handle. And a lot of the biggest issues in our lives are issues that logic sure. can't handle. Gaia.com lets you explore over 8,000 films, documentaries, and original series. There's so much going on in the unseen world. Hidden truth. Why in the media today? They still seem to hold back on these incredible stories. Behind an unknown universe. Where science and spirituality all come together. Gaia.com. Content you can't find anywhere else. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. What are archetypes, Paul? Archetypes are, that was also another concept that was defined by Carl Jung. Archetypes are energy configurations uh, related to the human condition. So, for instance, in tarot cards, you've got 78 cards. Each card is an archetype. In the I Ching, there's 64 possible hexagrams that you can get. Each one of those is an archetype. So it's an energy pattern that reflects on a situation or a personality, uh, the current moment. So it's all about the present moment, and archetypes are a way to... Uh, there's like sub-personalities. We have all of the archetypes inside of us. So when you bring up an archetype using the I Ching, like one of the 64 hexagrams, or a tarot card, that's pointing to something that's inside of you. You've got a warrior in there. You've got a king in there. Mm-hmm. You've got a magician in there. You've got a, you know, there's all the archetypes. Working are, away for us. Yeah, they're in there all the time, but a lot of times we're not, we're not awake to them. So this is a way of stimulating, uh, it's a way of calling up archetypes and then uh, uh, tapping into their power. We've got a show on Gaia called Sacred Power, and uh, Caroline Mays, oh, of yeah. course, talked about archetypes oh, yeah. as well. Let's check in with her. She's famous for that. What your knowledge of your archetypes gives you is this capacity to be impersonal about the personal events that unfold in your life. How much power is that? If you talk about sacred power, this is like the apex of that position. This is like Plato said when he, when he, when he said the gods are archetypes. They live like Zeus at the top of Mount Olympus looking upon us, but they are patterns of power. A soul journey is the journey with your soul. It requires that you need your soul to endure it. Emphasis on the word endure. It is a make or break journey. You will reach a point in this journey where you understand you may not make it. You may not make it. I don't mean necessarily that you may not live, but you may not live well. You may live with this sense that you are just surviving. But if you decide, I've got to heal this no matter what, and I've got to find resources in me that I didn't know I had. That's kind of uh, difficult to live, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> well, she didn't give you much uplifting hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Well, these are difficult times that we're living in right now. Sure. Um, and she's talking about how you could tap into these sources of power, which are the archetypes. So the gods and the various deities and the various different kinds of uh, of, of archetypal 
patterns, we have them inside of ourselves and we can tap into them and we can go beyond just surviving. You know, and we, we can, have to. Yeah, and we can find strength in that. We have to. Do you use these techniques a lot for yourself? Oh, yeah. At this I point mean, now? especially right now. I mean, these are hard times for everybody. Everything is more difficult right now. And I think we're all being kind of cast back upon ourselves. And we're being tested. We're being tested for sure. And it's like a spiritual retreat in a way we're in, or an initiation. So this is the opportunity to get to know ourselves and to call, call upon these inner powers in order to be more resilient, to not just survive, but to be resilient and to ultimately um, be better for it. Should we as individuals, Paul, be practicing I Ching often? I think anytime that I, I know for me, anytime I have a problem that logic can't handle, I consult the I Ching. I've used the I Ching for every major decision in my adult life since I was 19. That doesn't mean it's telling me what to do. Right. It's giving me insight, and it's giving me timeless advice, and it's helping me think outside the box so that I know that there's a creative solution that I haven't thought of yet, because it doesn't care what my ego wants to hear. Some of these hexagrams are not that pleasant. You know, some of them, you know, like splitting apart or whatever, they give you lessons. Or they sure. make you think about things. You know, we tend to think in black and white, George, and that's a problem these days. That's a problem all the time. So this helps us remember that there's always a third solution. There's, it's never just black and white. Can you give us an example, Paul, of how you tap into the I Ching, how you get into it? I don't use it that often because I don't have, you know, but for rela I use it a lot for relationships You now. have to have the coins with you or cards? No, or I actually uh, created an app that is a really good way to do it. Oh, I, cool. Like, like I was saying, I, I had created software in 1989, but now we have an app, the Divination. What is, what is it called? It's called Visionary I Ching, and it's an app. And, and you can find it in your app store. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And you just and That's a very convenient way to do it, and I, that's the way I use it. Um, but it doesn't really matter how you do it, as long as it's energetically authentic, as long as it's you creating that pattern. Is there a process to get into the I Ching the right way? You know, the beautiful thing about the I Ching, George, is you don't need a lot of training. Tarot cards, you have to study for years. Oh, my God, yeah. You know, if you want to learn those I archetypes. I still don't know them. <laughs> you know? Right. But the I Ching's a book. So it's got 64 chapters, and you look it up in the book. And this is where intuition comes in in a very practical way, because you read between the lines, and you apply what it's saying to whatever the issue or question that you brought to it. And a lot of times I'll just do it. I'll just like, let's say that I'm uh, in a relationship and I want some advice on how to approach the other person. Or maybe it's my child who hasn't come home. Uh, it was supposed to be home by midnight and it's 1.30 in the morning. And, and you're I'm panicking. I'm, right? Yeah. And, and so I want to get some, I, I want to calm down. It's like a form of meditation, but it's like a two-way form of meditation because it's giving me some wisdom on the way back. And so I might say, what's the best approach to take? vis-a-vis -vis my son or vis-a-vis -vis my girlfriend uh, right now. Right. And so it helps me because, you know, like in the martial arts, and it kind of related to the martial arts because martial arts wisdom came from Taoism, you know, sometimes it's a time to assert yourself. Sometimes it's a time to, to do nothing and let the dark clouds pass. Sometimes it's a time to run like hell and retreat. Well, the I Ching knows this. But we don't know this. Well, we and, don't know it. Yeah, in Western society, we just, we're type A. We've got to fix it now. And that's our approach to everything. So sometimes it just helps you chill out. Sometimes it helps you. And let things just 
happen. Right. So it's a matter of timing. It's all about time management. What is somebody doing wrong if they try all this and it just doesn't work for them? What's wrong? What's not clicking? Well, they're probably asking the wrong kind of question for, to begin with. Okay. You know, it's like you don't want to ask the I Ching, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Or where should I go to lunch? Or even something like, what's the meaning of life? It's basically designed to answer a certain kind of question, which is looking for strategy or insight or advice. As if you're talking to a mentor or a sage, and you're saying, what's the best approach to take vis-a-vis X? Well, what type of question would you ask it? Just like that. What's the best approach to take vis-a-vis my, my boss? All right, then how do you get your answer? Then you cast the coins and you look it Throw up. Throw them out there and, and you look it up. to the right. book. Right, and then uh, usually you'll be able to make some sense of it relative to the question that you ask. It's really kind of a matter of practice, um, but there's going to be some wisdom in there for you. And most of the time, for me, it's uncannily ac- accurate sure. in terms of what it tells me to do. Is it uh, almost like rolling dice in Vegas? Or is there a little bit more behind it? Well, it's a little more intricate than that. Um, but it's the same concept. Principle, I mean, right? if you say, I mean, if you can, although when you're rolling dice seven. in Vegas, Come yeah, seven, that's right. right. You're trying to roll a seven or an 11. You know, with the I Ching, you're not trying to roll anything in particular. You're basically open to getting some insight or advice from the universe. So it's a kind of a different. Uh, it's a different thing to do altogether with a different intentionality. So your intention in, 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 manage, in, in casting the I Ching or doing tarot cards or anything like that is to learn something. So it really hinges sure. on receptivity. You don't cast the dice in Vegas just to see what you're going to get. You cast the dice in Vegas with a lot of attachment to outcome. Sure. And the only outcome you want from the I Ching is to learn something that's going to help you operate more skillfully. And why is synchronicity so important in this? Well, synchronicity is the definition of perfect timing. Synchronicity basically says that everything is related in time, not just in space, not just in the material realm. Everything is related in time. Now, Western science doesn't even credit that. If you do a controlled experiment on Tuesday night and you do that same controlled experiment Friday morning, you expect to get exactly the same results. That's because time is factored out of the equation. But in the most important issues of life, timing is really important. That's why they say timing is everything. And the ancient sages were trying to answer a different question rather than trying to figure out what things are made of, which is what Western science and logic is really good at. They were trying to figure out what kind of things go together in time. When should we do this ritual? When should we launch this campaign? You know, what's the best approach to take right now? That's fascinating. And you've used this to change your own life, haven't you? Well, I use it to make a uh, uh, to have a better relationship with change. We, change is the only constant in life. Things are always changing, and things are changing faster than ever now. The accelerating rate of change is, is crazy. And then you think about these, the level of uncertainty that we feel, that's enough to drive you crazy. And it is driving a lot of people crazy. A lot crazy. of people crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of anxiety, etc. So to develop a, a, a better relationship with change and start to cultivate what I call the visionary belief that change is your friend, and that everything happens for a reason, ideas I cannot prove, 
Right. But that they're very useful beliefs because they help me make peace with the here and now, no matter how screwed up things are or no matter how confusing things are. So to have a good relationship with change and with life, which is always changing, is a, is a, is a, is a spiritual practice. When you do this, do you do it in the privacy of your own domain? Oh, yeah. You want to do this as a sort of a meditation, not where you're going to be interrupted or distracted. It's not in a public forum or anything no, like no, that. No, no, no. This is not a, it's not a performance. It's basically a form of meditation. It's kind of like the cross between, it's kind of a combination of meditation and prayer because you're meditating, which means you're letting go, you're becoming open, you're becoming receptive, you're becoming quiet, you're quieting the noisy, chattering mind, and you're becoming receptive to information. And then because uh, it's, a, it's an interactive system, it gives you information, and so you receive that information. So you're asking for help. I'm going to try this just yeah. for the heck of it. Why not? You know what? That's the beauty of the I Ching. You don't have to study anything. You don't have to have any special knowledge. You don't have to go to school. It's William Whitecloud, of course, is on the Gaia's program, Inspirations, and he talks about the magic of the universe. Let's see this. Okay. The, the kind of success that I see largely being attained in the world is, is achievement, the, the, the type of success that I call high achievement, mm -hmm. which comes from a lot of effort and hard work well, and, and willfulness yes, and, and, you know, yes. you could even say effort and struggle. Yes. Whereas, you know, and, and, and that's what one, one kind of achievement, but it's, it's kind of a, a you know, in, in, in a sense, a, a pig-headed um, type of approach. Well, it's how businesses are structured these yeah. days with, with graphs and goals and projections and, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's not only businesses, all kinds of personal um, achievements as well. And, and uh, our, our approach to relationships or, or just life in general. True, true. But, but, but you see, what, what, I call, what, I'm, what, I, what I mean by natural success is, is, a, is a success that's achieved through creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, creativity, by, by any definition, really... It, you, you could distill down to the ability to make connections that aren't usually made. I mean, if you think about any any genius who mm -hmm. who invents it or creates anything, whether it's Andy Warhol, who <clears throat> whether it's Andy Warhol who who does you know incredible silk screens that are different mm -hmm. to anything that's ever been done before. Or, or takes a can of soup and makes something iconic out of yes, it. Uh, yes, or, or whether it's yes. Einstein who figures out their black holes in space before uh -huh. their radio telescopes that can identify them. Um, <clears throat> you, you see that, that they're making connections that yes. the average person isn't at, making. At the stratospheric level, yeah. yes. And, and, and so when, when one um, breaks out of one's normal patterned way of thinking, you start making connections mm. that then start making life a whole lot more effortless and effective as well. Because, you, 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 you know, the, the, the way the, the conditioned mind works, it gets from A to B by going to C to D to E to F to G to H to I to yes. J to K and back around yes, Z and back the details. to... Yeah. Absolutely. And... and, and mm -hmm. uh, Yes. When, when, when you go into your more creative mind, you, just, you start seeing through all of that and, and you see a lot more directly. You start seeing just how, uh, how, how much more directly you can go. And you start going from A to B 
from literally from A to B a whole lot more directly. Paul, what does success mean to you? Success means getting what you want. The problem is most of us don't know what we really want. Or how to get there. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what do you want? You know, you might say, well, I want a Ferrari or I want, you know, a vacation or whatever. Sure. But what you really want is the experience of joy or the experience of peace. It's what you really want is an internal uh, thing. And so we're always looking to try to get success by grasping externals and uh, thinking that that's going, that's how we calibrate success in our society. Money right. equates success. And I think success is a much deeper problem than that. And it has to do with, uh, with knowing who you are. And it's like he was saying in that clip, you know, true success, he calls it natural success, comes from set from, it's driven by curiosity and the creativity that stems from that. And isn't success finding happiness? Yeah, that's what I think. Whatever it is to make you happy. That's right. And it doesn't necessarily have to be possessions. Nothing external like is going to make you happy for very long. What is divination? Divination is the category of these things. Uh, I Ching, tarot cards, rune stones. All under this. Astrology, numerology. Yeah, this umbrella. is the category word uh, for these things. And a divination system is something like the I Ching or tarot cards that lets you uh, gives you a way to stimulate your intuition to think outside the box. Yeah. And so uh, that's uh, a way to tap into intuitive intelligence. And that, I wrote a chapter on divination in the book Intuitive Intelligence because it's a way that I have found so useful to tap into my intuition because it's kind of hard to access intuition when you need it the most. Because when you need it the most is when you're all upset or when you've got some pressing, urgent problem sure and you can't think straight, you don't have the receptivity. So if you do a divination uh, exercise, that's kind of like a meditation practice to help you quiet down and open up to uh, better information. Do you think successful people, Paul, utilize this and they don't even know they're doing it? Oh, successful people are driven by intuition, in my view. Mm -hmm. you know, and there's so many times when somebody like uh, Morita, who was the founder of Sony, he said, all the marketing research on earth could have never told us that the Sony Walkman was going to be such a huge success. Steve Jobs said the same thing. He says, I don't worry about marketing his research. His instinct. Yeah, because people don't know what they want before it's available. Um, and so there, it, you have to be driven by uh, intuition. I mean, Steve Jobs was a product visionary of the highest order. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, tragic that we, he left us way too soon. Oh, for sure. You know but you know, I think you know. everybody can invent a path of success for themselves through self-knowledge and by becoming uh, in touch with what fascinates them. You know, like I said, two things fascinated me in my youth. And then 15 years later, I, I had an aha moment where I thought, maybe I can put these things together. Well, everybody's had things that fascinated them. Right. A lot of times they discounted that because their father wanted them to be a lawyer or their mother wanted them to be a doctor or whatever. And I think people can get back to what fascinated them during stage one of life, the student stage, no matter what age they are. It's never too late to cultivate curiosity and to tune in to what is meaningful for you. Happiness is the bottom line here, isn't it? It's always the bottom line.
And then with, with happiness comes all these other things, don't they? Well, happiness falls into place. Happiness is an inside job. I think happiness is actually a byproduct of meaning, of finding your meaning in life, doing what's meaningful for you and that's fulfilling for you. That'll make you happy. Happiness is not like some state that you can achieve and then stay in that state forever. There's happiness and there's sadness. But if you're doing something that's meaningful or something that helps people and, and, and something that makes you happy to get up in the morning, that's going to make you happy more often than not. Paul, thanks for being on Beyond Belief. Thank you, George. It's been a pleasure. You know, it's amazing how you can control your own success by your inner feelings. Use the I Ching, as Paul has been talking about on the program. It could better your life. I'm George Norrie. Thanks for watching Beyond Belief. Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaia's Consciousness Podcast. Learn even more at Gaia.com and watch interviews, movies, and original series, all to empower the evolution of consciousness. For more information, visit GaiaPodcast.com. Gaia. Watch. Belong. Transform.